This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. Today, we're going to talk trails, but not in the usual way. We're going to talk about access and what access means to different groups of people. And joining me for this conversation is Adam Peranto, the Executive Project Director for Connect M1. Adam, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Miles. First time podcaster. <laughs> First time, so I'm excited to give it a shot and see how it goes. <laughs> All right. I'm really excited to have you here because I had what I thought was one of the coolest experiences I've had as a reporter and writer up here last summer in August. You had been telling me about this action track chair that your organization has procured and has been taking around for demonstrations and providing people chances to use it around the county. And I finally was able to, after a little phone tag, catch up with you guys and meet you at the base of Eagle Tower in Peninsula State Park. And, you know, over that next hour to two hours, it was just uh, an amazing experience to watch some people use this this chair and what it does for people and and the experience it provides that we all take for granted, at least I do. And so I wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about this, what your aims for the track chair itself are, and just talk about what it does for people. So tell our listeners what this action track chair is. An action track chair is an adaptive powered wheelchair. So if you think of your standard wheelchair, just substitute the tires for tank tracks, essentially. Yeah. And what it allows you to do is to be able to get on outdoor trails and traverse some of that difficult terrain, like the ruts, the rocks, and other things that would a normal wheelchair would struggle to get over. So it allows people who are wheelchair users to get outside, go on deep into the woods on nature trails, and hike with their friends and family for the first time. We're talking about something that so many of us live here for. You know, we live here because we love the parks. We live here because we love to hike or get out in nature. And yeah, a lot of us do it by car. A lot of the day, we just look around and we say, oh, we live in this beautiful place. But most of us can go out and then take it deeper. And we don't recognize how many people never get to have that experience. Absolutely. We take it for granted because we don't have that lived experience and we're not dealing with those challenges every day. Door County is a beautiful place. We have roughly 31,000 acres of permanently protected land and we are able to go out and enjoy and experience all of that. But someone with a disability or a mobility challenge doesn't have that same opportunity. And these public spaces are meant for everyone to enjoy. And how do we allow them to enjoy that? So we, want it, we wanted to do something about it. So if it's purchasing a piece of adaptive equipment that allows them to access these trails for the first time, we're all about it. So how did you go about getting this chair? They're not cheap. They are not cheap. And that's why we want to make it publicly available. They're about $15,000 if mm-hmm. you're just going to purchase it yourself. And that's not a chunk of change I have on the side. <laughs> and it's not a chunk of change that many of these families have on the side either. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a little bit more? Because you talk about the expenses last summer that some of these families incurred just to, just to go about their day-to-day lives, let alone a big extra, like something like this chair. Yeah, if you have a chronic condition or a disability, there's going to be additional medical costs that are associated with just your everyday care that the normal person doesn't have. So when so much of your money is going towards healthcare costs, you don't have additional funds to spend on enjoyment and recreation. Yeah, you really rely on some of these either public entities or outside groups to, to try and supplement that. I mean, and you've probably, if you are 
significantly mobility challenged, you've probably already spent some money on maybe adaptive transportation equipment just to get to and from work, or you spent a lot of money on your house to change some things to make it safer and easy to get around in your own lived environment, let alone getting out on a trail. There's so many barriers that they have to deal with every day. And so if we can eliminate some of those barriers and make their accessibility easier in the outdoors, that's what we want to do. So by making a, an action track chair publicly available at a state park for the first time, it allows a family to go to the state park, access this piece of adaptive equipment, and enjoy something with their family for the first time. You know, you, you've been taking this round. I think the first time you, you messed with me about it, you were taking it down to meet a group of folks from the Sunshine House I believe, at Whitefish Dune State Park. And you sent me some photos of this chair, and I had no idea what you were talking about. And then you send this, and it, it's a pretty cool-looking chair. <laughs> I mean, it is, uh, it's this little mini tank, but it's surprisingly nimble. Like, I saw the picture. I'm like, oh, that looks like this big kind of hunk of equipment. But then you you allowed me to steer it a little bit with uh, Tiffany Lice, who we'll talk about in a little, little bit. But she was in the chair, and it is remarkably easy to steer. It's just like a joystick, like if you were playing an old video game. And it climbs over everything. We took it up Eagle Tower, up the up the ramp, and you can go pretty quick if you want to. And then you can, you know, steer it over those roots and rocks. Like you said, it's really stable. For you to, tran- right now, you're moving it from place to place. How are you, I mean, you got to have this vehicle moving around and scheduled times and everything. What is your aim with this tractor? Where do you want it to be? Right, right now it's difficult because we do have to trailer it to all of these different locations. We're happy to bring it to the ridges, to the state parks and other nature preserves around the area for different groups to utilize. But we want it to have a permanent home where it can be accessible by anyone, where they can drive there. They can take it out on the trails and then return it to the spot where it's at. There's a group in Wisconsin called Accessibility Wisconsin. They do a phenomenal job with the track chairs. But for them, you have to go to their facility, pick up the track chair in a trailer, and then trailer it to wherever you're going to use it. Mm. You also have to have a cash deposit, and you have to fill out all sorts of waiver and liability forms. We want to cut out all those barriers and red tape. We want someone to be able to go to Peninsula State Park, show up at the Nature Center, and just be able to go onto the trail with their family. So that, that's where we're going is the state park. We've been in talks with the DNR since the spring. Uh, we're going to be meeting with the Friends group this next Thursday, and we're hoping that we can continue the momentum that we've already built. And you're looking to donate it. You were able to procure this using a, you applied for a CDC Foundation grant? Correct, yeah. we were The CDC Foundation actually reached out to us and said that they oh. had specific funding and they wanted us to apply for it. And what they were looking to do is... <laughs> improve mental health after the pandemic. Coming out of the pandemic, how can we be safe and how can we improve mental health? So we pitched access to adventure. So connecting Hmm. to the outdoors, but the outdoors is a space that is meant for all. So connecting these diverse populations to outdoor opportunity. And we built the track chair into one of our line items and we were able to get the $15,000 from the CDC foundation to pay for it. So the hardest part is over. A lot of groups, when they try to get a track chair, is how do we fundraise to purchase the actual track chair? It's $15,000. We've already done that. So the only step we have to do is convince the Friends Group in the Peninsula State Park or Wisconsin DNR to accept the donation. And obviously that it's easier said than done, right? I mean, I've, I've dealt with parks, DNR, government agencies a lot. You know, you have the insurance hurdles, you have, well, who, who mans it, who checks it out? What's the system for that? So it seems really easy to go, hey, we'll just put up a shelter and We'll give you this piece of equipment, but there's a lot of other steps to to take on their part. So I understand some of the hurdles and the, the time delay, but hopefully they can figure out a way to say yes. You know, that's one of the biggest things that I talk about a lot in this community is there are organizations, there are people who immediately say, well, no, we can't do that. Or here's the reason that won't work. But 
when things drive forward, when you take leaps forward as a community or as an individual organization, it's usually by going, that's going to be hard, but how can we say yes? Right. And they're committed to accepting this donation. We're committed to helping them with that, but we're going slow purposely because if we can create a successful model at Peninsula State Park, it's a model that can be replicated throughout our state and throughout our country. And the CDC Foundation is very interested in that model and would potentially fund other track chairs. So we're working together, we're figuring out the logistics, and we want to make sure it's done the right way. And, you know, I, I said we'd talk a little bit about Tiffany Leist. She is uh, a 35-year-old woman who has cerebral palsy, and she was there the day that I met you at Eagle Tower. And she's just such a inspiring person to talk to, and she will talk. Yeah, <laughs> I should have her on the podcast, actually. But she will tell you all about the challenges she faces. She is not afraid to have those conversations. And in fact, one of the things that I thought was really moving when she talked to me, she goes, you know, I want people to ask me. I don't want people to walk by and and smirk or give me a look. Hey, if you're going to look, if you're going to smirk, if you're going to joke, come to me and talk to me and ask what you're wondering what my situation is. Ask me, I'll tell you all about it. You need to know. And now we can, you can treat me like, like everybody else. You can treat me like a human. And and just the way she talked about that was really eye-opening. So then to watch her use this piece of equipment and be able to go up the ramp on Eagle Tower and then see her face as she got to the top and, and got to experience that view and look down to her friends and shout down the way we, the, the rest of us have all of our lives who have enjoyed that tower, you realize, and, and people listening to this podcast will know, like I've, I really questioned the park's decision to build the ramp and spend all that money on the tower versus repairing it in place. And that's, it's almost a different financial argument, but when you see the experience people are getting, it is pretty moving. And then I, I wrote about this this week in the, in the article about this chair, the improved access to that tower and the number of people who can now enjoy it, it may end up that the park makes enough off increased park passes and day passes from all the extra visitors going to that tower. It may end up paying for the cost of that ramp at the end of the day. Yeah, you have an initial cost, but it's an investment. So you're getting all these people that are coming to Peninsula State Park to use the track chair or to access the tower. And it's a, it's a long-term investment and it's creating accessibility for so many. You pay for it up front, but it has long-term returns. And Tiff is such a selfless advocate for those that are disabled. She's so great. She, she has so much passion and energy that she wants to share with everyone. Imagine like if you were going down and hiking and everyone was staring at you. Some people were laughing at you or you were the center of attention. That's a social fear. You don't want to be the center of attention always. And these poor individuals are just trying to enjoy themselves and experience nature, but people are staring at them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that takes away from the experience. And how can we change that? Yeah. Instead of walking down, a, you know, in, in Tiffany's case, she, you know, her, her condition affects her knees, her energy level. She, she can get a brain fog as she described it. She could probably go a little ways down a trail, but that little ways would always be a little bit of fear. What happens if I get stuck here? What, what if I trip and fall? Even if I can get back up now I'm getting looks, now I'm getting stares and watching her take that chair and go deep into the woods. And even when you got, I'd say a couple hundred yards down the Sentinel trail next to Eagle tower. And I'm standing there under the tree canopy and I'm going, this is normal for me. I just do this. And I'm thinking she's, and other people and, and others with much worse conditions than her never get that experience. I think of my friend Lauren Aurelius and her daughter Marjorie who passed away earlier this year and the first picture she posted when she got to the top of Eagle Tower. And you think of the experience she was able to get. It's, it's just, it's hard to not want to do what you can to help 
give them that opportunity and access. Yeah, when you see the reaction, it, it's it's so powerful because for them, it's such a triumph and something that they've never been able to do, but now they've done it for the first time. That sense of accomplishment that they feel and just being a part of it is, is extremely rewarding. And one in four Americans have a disability. 14% of people have a mobility challenge. So there's a vast population of people out there that are hoping to access the outdoors and they need maybe a little bit of assistance to do it. Whether that's the right information going out to them, maybe it's an adaptive piece of equipment like our track chair. But this large population is seeking to have the same experiences that we have, but are just not able. They're, they don't have equitable access. Right. And I talked to Damian Bookman, who is uh, the head of a place called the Ability Center in Milwaukee. And he had a great term for this. He goes, you mentioned like one out of four Americans is, is disabled. That's like in this very moment, has a disability of some kind. But throughout our lives, what he says is we're all temporarily able-bodied. You know, as kids, we can't do these things. Then we can, maybe we get to a point where we can do everything we want. And then we get a bad back or we break an ankle or we break our wrist. Or then we, we get old and we don't have the oxygen levels we once had. Or we, we have dementia or we have all these other different conditions that come in. So at some point or another that ramp is an advantage for, for almost everybody. You know, just speaking of Eagle Tower, because that's like the most prominent example, but that ability to go up the tower may not be what I need now. I could go up the stairs just fine. But, you know, a few months ago when I had a bad back, it might have been better. And then years from now, it might mean I get to go have that experience with my grandkids that otherwise I'd, I'd probably look at those stairs and say, I don't know if I can do that. Like the day we were there, there was a gentleman, Jeff Winterstein, I think was his name. He was there. He has MS and he was at the base of the tower and he was diagnosed 14 years ago and he was looking up at the tower and his goal was to climb those stairs again. On this occasion, he didn't want to take the ramp because he shortly after his diagnosis, probably five or six years in, he wanted to challenge himself and see if he could still go up those stairs. So he did it. And on this day, he approached the tower with his walker. And actually, he and, and Tiffany had an incredible conversation there of like, the challenges they go through and kind of urging each other on. And he made it. He climbed to the top and climbed back down and made it down all those steps. But, you know, there, there's probably going to be a day in his life when he can't do that, but he can still go and have that experience. Right. We're all temporarily able-bodied. So they, right now I enjoy backpacking and camping, and it's one of my favorite things to do in my spare time. But when I'm older, I probably won't be able to do that anymore. And what can I do to be able to access nature still when I'm older and not able-bodied anymore? Uh, and that's why we have the track chair because it can, yeah, it can be used by someone like Tiffany who has a mobility challenge. She's 35, but it can be used by someone who's maybe 80 and has dementia. And they used to love to go out and hike with their, their family or their right. friends. And now they can still do that with this piece of adaptive equipment. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kewanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org careers. Well, going back to Damien, who I just mentioned from the, the Ability Center, he has disabilities himself. And he said one of the biggest problems he faces isn't so much what he can and can't do, but how it impacts those around him. So if he, if his kids want to go have an experience, maybe they don't even bring it up because they're like, dad can't do it. 
so they don't want to leave dad out. Or he feels he's holding back his kids because he can't do a certain thing or take part in a certain activity because he just doesn't have access. And, you know, I'm a relatively new dad and you think about that and you just go, that it gives you a, a level of understanding of like how crushing that is because as a business owner, you can sometimes go, Oh, we got to put in this ramp. That's going to be $10,000. Or we have to put in this kind of bathroom. Well, that's twice the square footage I was banking on. We used to be able to have a bathroom and a broom closet. So you think of it from a purely financial terms or, you know, space concerns, but then you see all the other people who even a place like Husby's, you know, there's that ramp in the back, you kind of take it for granted. You're like, okay, this is, but then you, you see all the people who are able to access that restaurant and have the same experience that everybody else in Sister Bay has all the time. So those things can be just thought of as these burdens, but they're really an opportunity to give somebody access. Right. I think the thought needs to shift from cost to just creating equal opportunity for all to mm-hmm. experience the same thing. I mean, I couldn't imagine if my friends came up to me like, hey, Adam, we'd love to to go to hike to the top of this hill. Do you want to come? And I have to say, oh, no, sorry, I can't because I'm not able to do it. Or, or to make up an excuse because I don't want to, you know, have them see me as weak. So yeah. it's these, they have a loss of experience because they don't have the ability to do the same thing as others. Right. So if anyone's interested in supporting these efforts or checking out the tractor, you guys have November 8th, you're going to have it at the Ridges? Yeah, we're thankful to be partnering with the Ridges and their staff there. will be Tuesday, November 8th from 1 to 4, we'll be at the Ridges where it'll be an open demo for anybody to come out check out the track chair, give it a, a, a ride, and then to hear more about the advocacy side of it and what we're trying to accomplish with the track chair. And like you said earlier, the track chair is remarkably easy to use, and that's one of the reasons why we honed in and picked the track chair yeah. uh, for this project because it's a joystick. It's like a zero-turn lawnmower almost. It can go in any direction off of this joystick. And ours, too, has a control where you can drive it for somebody. So maybe the person who's riding has had a stroke, they have hemiplegia, and they, can't, they don't have the use of their hands you can drive the chair for them so they can mm-hmm. still enjoy the same experience based on the control that we have. Right. Yeah. That, and that was a really cool thing about it too. When we were going up the tower, getting a chance to, to drive it. And I, I was really nervous because I'm like, I, I don't want to screw this up, but it's pretty hard to screw up, you know? So it's, it is, it's really easy. I would encourage anybody who's just interested in it, wants to, to think about what they can do on maybe their property or their business or who has been looking for something like this just to check it out. Or if you have a family member who maybe would be able to take advantage of it, it would be good to check it out and just see like what options there are, learn more about it. And then, you know, maybe support the effort to, to get more of these. I mean, it would be great if, you know, you're looking at trying to get in Peninsula State Park now, but if in five, 10 years, we had one of these at each park, that'd be remarkable. Right. We're seeking to make the change now, but I think if we can create it at the state park in Peninsula for the first time, there's going to be other state parks that follow suit and other nature preserves that follow suit. And it's really cool to see the momentum and the transformation and even Door County as far as accessibility. There's so many places that you can look left and right and see the difference in the the new things that they're doing. Ridges just put in a new boardwalk. Peninsula State Park, they have the tower. They just put in a new inclusive (laughs) playground. And there's so many different stories around. Otumba Park has the beach ramp access. So people are starting to think about it. There's an increased awareness and there's more accessible opportunities that are popping up all the time. Yeah, I think of going back to another thing that uh, Damien Bookman had told me. And, and I, I got connected with him through the Peninsula Arts and Humanities Alliance actually brought him in to speak to their group about inclusion versus access. And, you know, just allowing someone to be in the building isn't the same as including them in what you're doing. So if you're in a theater organization 
and he, he talked about this, like generally people, the ADA allows, Hey, as long as you have some sort of access, so people can do the bare minimum. And a lot of us do, but that means, okay, wheelchair access goes in the back, far right corner out of the way. Like, okay, we gave you the worst seat in the house. Like that was our way of including you. And I guess it's better than 50 years ago, what that would have been or your entryway. It's like, okay, we're, you know, look at most public facilities. If your entryway for most of us is to go through the grand entrance at the, the front of the building. And for so many people with disabilities or hurdles, it's around the back, down the alley, <laughs> by the dumpsters, you know, something like that. So you think of the message that sends to so many people, but I think third Avenue playhouse has, or Playworks now is their name, but they've done some things to provide some of that seating within the main area. So it's not just the worst seat in the house stuck in the back or even how they design their, the rows of their seats. They put more room there. You know, so many people try and make them as tight as possible, but they put more room in there. So even if you're not in a wheelchair, but let's say you're unsteady, like we all will be at some point or another, getting down the aisle is a little bit easier. You have a little more space there. So there's a lot of ways you can think about this stuff. And I certainly didn't think about this back in my days running a restaurant because you're just bogged down and everything else. So organizations like yours who can kind of bring this education to places, you know, you're not just saying, hey, we have this building, come learn from us, but you're taking this chair around the county. I think that's really important just to expose people to some of these ideas. Right. And that's been the focus of what we've been trying to accomplish the last few months is where can we bring this chair and what populations can we include to experience it for the first time? So we've had phenomenal partnerships with the nature preserves like Ridges, Crossroads, Peninsula State Park, and then the school district, Sturgeon Bay, the Venture Academy, Gibraltar, Sevastopol. A lot of those kids have been engaged. And when we go there, we bring in populations from turning point from Sunshine Resources, and we engage them with the kids, and we let them kind of see exactly what these people deal with every day for a learning experience for themselves. And uh, it's great to hear stories like the, the Playhouse and what they're doing. Those are, those are bright spots that we want to elevate and stories that other people can use, but I do feel that existing standards on their own are not a, enough to ensure equitable access for all. Yeah. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Uh, we ran into one with the track chair um, very recently. Track chairs were not allowed on the state park system in Wisconsin because it didn't meet the the manual code criteria for equipment that's allowable on the trail. Huh. So they actually had to make a policy change to allow different medical adaptive equipment to be on the trails wow. that now includes the track chair. So this was within the last couple of years that that changed. And here we are trying to donate the first one in the Wisconsin <laughs> State Park System. So there's a lot of change that still needs to happen and a lot of advocacy for, for these people. But it's, it's kind of happening. I don't want to say snowballing because that assumes that we're getting close. But like there's a lot more activity in this space now. I think a lot of people are realizing it. Even Northern Door Children's Center, you know, when I, when I talked to you, talked about Marjorie Aurelius, the young child who she lived till eight, but she was born and she was not expected to last a week. And I've, I wrote a story about this. So I, I feel comfortable talking about it, but Lauren Aurelius told me that, you know, as she, when she was young, she went, she was kind of desperate. They, her, her child was born, unable to talk, unable to walk, unable to do so many, she wheelchair bound. And she went to Northern Door Children's Center and said, I, I don't know if, if you guys can do anything, but I have to ask. And they said, you know, we don't know what we can do either, but we can try. And she ended up having this great experience with the children's center there. And it meant not only did Marjorie have this option and her, and her parents, Lauren and Fred have the peace of mind to know that someone could, could take care of their daughter and, and educate her, but the other kids got to grow up around her and understand the challenges she faced, but also just treat her like a, a normal friend in their class. 
that just had different abilities. And so I would see her out and around in Sister Bay and throughout the community and kids would just come up and they'd not be scared or standoffish. They'd go and approach Marjorie and say, oh, can I play with Marjorie? Can I read Marjorie a book and stuff like that versus the world I grew up in, which is people like Marjorie were just kept in a different room and kept away from everybody else. And they might be introduced later, but what by the time you're seven or eight might be introduced to your classroom again, usually in the back of the room, but these kids, they don't think of it as different or weird. So it's just those little steps we take make a big difference. Yeah, that that is a phenomenal story. And that's why inclusion is so important, because when you're in close proximity to it and you get to understand who they are, what they're dealing with, and that they're really not that different than you, it takes that fear or that social stigma away from it. And it, it becomes normal. And that's how inclusion should operate. You know, we talked a little bit about your organization bringing this to Peninsula State Park and bringing it around, but what is Connect M1 all about? Tell me what this organization is for those who are unfamiliar because they're relatively new. Yeah, we're a community building organization that brings people together. We bring diverse stakeholders to build better pathways for all to have access and opportunity. So the track chair is one of our projects, but we have many and we have many across the country. So what we're trying to do is build a, a diverse network of people that are change agents, connect them together to elevate what they're trying to do to make positive change mm-hmm. for the community. So I'm extremely fortunate to be involved in a group like this. And we have our hands in a lot of different pots and access to the outdoors is just one of them. But it's really all about building communities and how can we make thriving conditions for all. So what are some of those examples of the things you guys are working on besides the tractor? A great local one is, is one Denmark. They're a community in Denmark that is looking to build a community center where there's health care, there's a, a wellness center, and other public entities all housed in the same space for a small community where everyone can access it equally. Hmm. So we're supporting and the one Denmark team and helping them find funding and think of creative ideas on how they can accomplish their goals. And who else is a part of this? So we're a team of four. We have okay. uh, Pete Knox. He was an old uh, executive from Bell & Health and Teal Van Lannen and Nick Koshart. They were involved in the Algoma School District. Okay. Yeah. Nick used to be, was he superintendent? He was superintendent. Okay. Teal and Nick did the, a lot of this work the last decade and it was growing and growing and they built a successful model and they wanted to share it with others. Hmm. So that's where this opportunity came in. And now we have the opportunity to work with those from across the country. Is there a, a website or an email that people should, if, if they want to learn more about what you guys do or what the tractor is all about, or they're interested in bringing the tractor to their organization, is there somewhere they should contact? Yeah, we have a, a website, connectm1.com. That's K-I-N-E-C-T, the letter M, number one.com. Uh, we launched in, in July, so we're relatively new as far as like a social media presence and online presence, but we do have a Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well, so people can get engaged that way, or it's send me an email, adam at connectm1.com. Tell me about the, the name, the Connect M1. I asked you about this when we started here. Why, why the M1 at the end? Yeah, so the, the Connect comes in because we're community connectors, so I think that name fits well, but the M1 is, is because we needed something for copyright issues, and the M1 on the, the back end allowed us to have a creative new name, but M1 is the brightest stars in the galaxy, and what we try to do is highlight bright spots from across the country and in our local communities and elevate them. So that's why we chose the M1 on the back end. <laughs> the other thing I want to just touch on briefly here is you came here dropping off a box for Toys for Tots collections coming up in the holiday season. We'll have that box here at the Pulse offices, but you're dropping them all over the community. What do you want to plug for this to get some more toys brought in for these kids? Yeah, this is one of my favorite outreach efforts every year because the holiday season is filled with so much joy. Uh, it's Door County Toys for Kids. So what we do is we drop off boxes throughout the peninsula and we raise toys for our local Door County community. 
Last year, we served nearly 500 children and had almost 5,000 toys donated to us. <laughs> so if you go into uh, your local grocery store here at the Pulse, you'll see a, a toy box that has a Toys for Tots logo on the, on the side of it. And all you have to do is drop a toy in there. And then we make sure it stays in our community and is connected to a local child in need. Excellent. So here at the Pulse, our offices are open generally nine to five every day. So if you have a toy that you want to drop off, just swing on in, put it in the box. It's right inside our door. Or drop us an email. If you can't make it at those times, we'll we'll try and make sure you have a way to, to get those toys here. Well, thanks for working on that too. It's a great program. Obviously, it's got to be incredibly fulfilling to see all these kids come in. And, <laughs> and, and well, I suppose you probably don't let the kids into the big warehouse <laughs> probably start some fights, but no, we, we let the parents come and shop for their kids, oh, though, which is cool because if you try to pick out the toys that these families request on the way, you don't always know exactly what that child wants. So yeah. we let the families come in and pick. I have a kid. I don't know what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and a cool thing we did the last couple of years is we, ha- we have a Santa and the Santa will actually go to families' homes and deliver the gifts as Santa Excellent. for the families that sign up. So that was a really cool thing to be a part of because we come in there with Santa and the kid is completely taken aback. Their hero is there dropping off gifts for them. Uh, <laughs> so that was, has been a really fun thing to be a part of too. All right. Well, one last reminder, the action track chair will be at the Ridges Sanctuary. That is November 8th from one to 4 PM. Yep. This next Tuesday, right at the nature center. If you go to the nature center, they'll be able to direct you to the right location, okay. but I think we're using a different trail and I'm off the top of my head. I'm okay. not sure. where. No problem. Is. So just go to the nature center. They'll get you where you need to go. Right. Adam, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And thanks for all the work you're doing within the community. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.